page 225 in your pew Bibles. 1 Samuel chapter 15. Samuel said to Saul, I'm the one the Lord sent to anoint you king over his people Israel. So listen now to the message from the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. Now go, attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. So Saul summoned the men and mustered them at Telaim, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 from Judah. Saul went to the city of Amalek and set an ambush in the ravine. Then he said to the Kenites, Go away, leave the Amalekites so that I do not destroy you along with them, for you showed kindness to all the Israelites when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites moved away from the Amalekites. Then Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havilah to Shur, near the eastern border of Egypt. He took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. These they were unwilling to destroy completely. But everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king, because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry. And he cried out to the Lord all that night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honour and has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, What then is this bleating of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? Saul answered, The soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed the rest. Enough, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. Samuel said, Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission, saying, Go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag their king. The soldiers took the sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you 
as king. Let's pray to the Lord. Lord, open our eyes, uh, please, that we might see wonderful things in your word. Lord, uh, teach us, Lord, your ways, uh, that we might honour your name. We, we look again to you, Lord, and need even you to give us sight. So grant us sight and ears to hear, we pray, O oh God, in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Samuel 15 is one of the most tragic chapters in the whole of the Old Testament. Uh, it's really tragic. It's uh, the account of the fall of a king, uh, of King Saul, the same king that God had uh, chosen and had been appointed to be the first king of Israel. He had everything going for him. He was handsome. He was head and shoulders above everyone else. He had been chosen by God and filled with the Spirit. Um, But at the end of this chapter, this king had fallen. Everything had gone wrong and God had rejected him and taken the kingdom away from him. What could it be, what could it be that would mean that God would rescind and change his mind? What could go wrong in a heart? So wrong. This passage of scripture is not one that I would normally choose for myself because it's terrible and shocking in many ways. But we come to it now as we're going through the book of Samuel to look uh, at this account. So let's just come to grips with the, with the story of Samuel itself. Because uh, of this fall of Saul. Because Samuel comes to... Saul, and he, and he says to him in the clearest language that he can possibly muster, and he says, I am the one the Lord has sent you, has sent to anoint you king over the people Israel. Now listen, listen very carefully, Saul, because the Lord's going to send you on a mission. He says, I'm going to punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel. You know, years before when, when the Israel was coming up out of Egypt, the Amalekites uh, had attacked Egypt. It was that occasion, you might remember it, when Moses lifted up his hands and um, as he lifted up his hands, the, the, they were winning the war. It was that occasion and, and the Amalekites had, had attacked Israel and God made a, a promise right back then. He said, one day... One day I will wipe the Amalekites out. And so in 1 Samuel 15, that day comes. And Samuel goes to Saul and he says, Now go and attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them, put them to death, men, women, children, infants, cattle, sheep, camels and donkeys. I mean, this is really confronting to me. Like it's very, very severe. So Saul 
gets these 200,000 foot soldiers, he gets them together and the first thing he does is he goes to the Kenites and he says, I want you to move away because you showed kindness uh, to Israel back then. I just don't want you to get destroyed in this. And so the Kenites move away and then it says that Saul attacked the Amalekites uh, all the way from Havilah to Shur. But they took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive Um, The people were totally destroyed, but Saul and the army spared on the one hand Agag the king and also the best of the sheep and the cattle and the fat calves and the lambs. Everything that was good, they said, we'll we'll spare that, and they were unwilling to destroy it. But uh, everything that was despised and weak and a bit um, lousy or terrible looking, they said, no worries, we'll destroy that. They saw they got they got they, they they won the war and then they saw this these beautiful sheep and cattle and um, as someone that loves livestock I know what it is to see a sheep and say wow that is a beautiful sheep that is a beautiful that is a beautiful animal we just need to that we just want to want more like that. And uh, so what, what happened was that they saw the sheep and the cattle and they, they were destroyed everything but they're unwilling to destroy the best of the sheep and the cattle. He, he, Saul did not follow the clear instruction that God had given him. He disobeyed God. He said, wow, look at even some of these sheep, these lambs and these, these calves, they're fat. They're really pretty beautiful. They're pretty good. We'll, we'll hold on to them. We won't destroy them and, uh, because there's some really, really good stuff here. The next thing that happened in this account is the Lord speaks to a prophet, speaks to Samuel. Do you know, prophets are very, very special individuals in the Bible. God speaks to them directly. And it says here that the word of the Lord came to Samuel. And I often wonder, I wonder what that would be like to have the word of the Lord come to you. And it says here that the word of the Lord came to Samuel. And this is what the word of the Lord said. I regret that I've made Saul king because he's turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. God says to Samuel, you, you, you went and anointed him king. We chose him as king. He appointed him as king. But, but God, the God of heaven, the God of all, has got this saying, I regret that I've made Saul king. He's turned, his heart's turned away from me. And it says here that Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all night. Do you know what it is to, to have sleepless nights and something really, really, really bad has happened and you're just awake all night? And, and, and this is what Samuel is like. He, he, he says here that he cried out to God all night. The sheer tragedy that God has now come and said to him, Samuel, 
Saul has disobeyed me. He's turned away from me. He doesn't, he, his heart is turned away from me. And so Samuel is just this grieving and crying out in this agony, I imagine, of Saul all night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up to meet Saul. But he was told Saul has gone to Carmel and he set up a monument in his own honour and he's turned to go down to Gilgal. So Samuel, Samuel has been crying out all night, crying out to God all night. But in contrast, Saul's heart is pretty happy. Saul's heart's actually pretty happy with everything he's done. You get the impression that his heart is overjoyed with her victory. He's going down, he's setting up a monument for himself uh, at Carmel. And, and when Samuel reaches Saul, the man that he had anointed king, the man that he loved, I believe Samuel loved Saul. He loved him as a son. He reaches him with a heavy heart. And Saul says, the Lord bless you. I've carried out the Lord's commands. I mean, Saul is full of smiles. He goes out to him, runs out to him, and Samuel says, Samuel, the Lord bless you. I've done everything that the Lord has asked me to do. And Samuel says, then what is this bleating that I hear in my ears? I can hear the cattle, cattle bellowing. You see, Saul seems to think that he doesn't, doesn't, hasn't done anything wrong. He doesn't have the slightest idea. He, he, he thinks that's totally fine. He has no idea that God is grieving over him and that Samuel has been up all night crying out to God and Saul is oblivious. Saul has deceived himself. So, so Saul, Saul, Samuel says, well, what's this bleating? <laughs> what is this? I, you were told to destroy everything. And what is this that I, I hear in my ears? Do you know what's going on? Sin is very deceitful. Sin is self-deception. <laughs> we, we think we are fine. We, we just think everything is totally fine. And sin, we, do you know that in the Bible, sin is often talked about blindness. And we just think, no, no, we, we're, we're going great. We're just going totally great guns. <laughs> and we're just going terrific. And, and sin is self-deception. And this is my first point. It's extremely dangerous for every single one of us. Oh, yeah, I'm great with God. Everything's fine with me, with God. Do you know, Jesus actually says in Matthew 7, and this makes me tremble, he says, he's talking about the last day the last day, and he says, on that day, many will come to me and they'll say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And did we not cast out demons in your name? And do many mighty works in your name? And I will 
declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me. In other words, they'll say, we're going great with God. We were doing terrific things with God. We, we, we did all these great things for God. And God, um, don't you see that everything is great? And God will say, Jesus will say, you're self-deceived. You're so self-deceived. Depart from me. I never knew you. Saul answered, when Samuel says, what's this bleating in my ear? Saul said, well, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites and they spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But everything else was totally destroyed. That's what we're like. Um, we blame the soldiers, actually. It was them. And not only that, we, we had thought of something better, God. We had thought of something better for God. We decided that we we're going to make a sacrifice to him. So our hearts are so good at justifying when we know we've done something wrong. We, we can rationalise. We can always put up this good argument. We, um, we, we, not, we did it wrong, but we've got this argument uh, because it was right in our particular circumstance to do this thing that we were doing. We were going way beyond that God had ever asked. Don't you see that I'm innocent, that my motives were pure? That's how tricky our hearts are. We fool ourselves. This offering, this sacrifice that is probably a peace offering, which means that they were going to eat the food for themselves anyway. Do you know, what we do is we think, um, I want to do whatever I want to do, and then I'll do some great thing for God, a sacrifice. I'll do whatever I want to do. I, I want this thing. I want it now. And I'll do whatever I want to do. And then I'll do some other great sacrifice for God. And he should excuse it. I'll put him in my debt. I should be able to wriggle out of it that way. But my heart, the deepest part of my heart, is that I just want to do whatever I want to do. And I will do it. I'll do it. Enough, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul replied. And Samuel said, Although that you were once small in your own eyes, you did, not, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. And he sent you on a mission to go and completely destroy the wicked people of the Amalekites to wage war against you. you why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? You see that, that word pounce, <laughs> you saw the plunder, saw this beautiful sheep, saw this and pounced on it. it it's like his heart just says, yes, that's what, that's what I want. Do you know for all our lives, for my life and for your life, we've got these two options. We've got these two options. Either we're going to see the beauty of this world, and we're just going to say, yes, that is what I want. That is what I want. I'm just going to grab it at every cost. At all costs, that is what I'm going to have. Or we can say, obedience to God 
is what I want. His, his honour is what I desire. We can either have eyes. We want to make it in grades, you know. We want to say, oh, I'll just do a little bit wrong. I'll just do a little bit wrong and most of it I'll give to God. But I'll just do this little bit wrong. But our heart's wrong. Our heart's totally wrong when we're thinking we'll do a little bit wrong. Because we haven't got it in our hearts that actually I just want to honour God. Just all my life I want to honour him. I want his name to be honoured. That's what I want to do in this circumstance. Samuel is a prophet and he sees the reality. And do you know what a prophet does? A prophet's job is to unmask our sin. A prophet's job is to show us as we really are and we can't, and we say, oh, a prophet's job. That's what a prophet does. And Samuel says this. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Does the Lord delight in sacrifices as much as in obedience in the heart of life? And this is my second point. God wants our heart. God wants our heart. He doesn't actually want our external religion. We can do all sorts of external things. We can do these sacrifices. We can do this and that and the other. And we, we have this kind of commercial relationship with God. If I do this thing, uh, then God needs to give me that. And we've got this commercial relationship with God. And says God says, no, I want your heart. <laughs> Forget the external. Forget the, all the stuff that you're doing on the outside. That's not what matters. God is saying, I want your heart. Do you know I've got a pear tree at home and it doesn't bear fruit very often. But um, a couple of years ago, I bore these beautiful, beautiful pears, heaps of them. And um, I was so thrilled with them because it so rarely bears fruit. And so I thought, what am I going to do with all these pears? And so I went around and put them in neighbours' mailboxes and gave them to everyone. And um, until I came home and ate one myself and it was full of worms and, <laughs> and they're all rotten. And I thought, oh, no. But do you know, we can, as Christians, look great on the outside. Oh, yes, the external is looking fantastic. But do you remember what Jesus says to the Pharisees? Oh, yeah, you whitewashed tombs. You are looking just fantastic on the outside, but inside you are full of dead man's bones. God is just not interested in the external. He cares about the heart to obey 
To obey is better than sacrifice. Oh, yeah, we can do the sacrifice. We can do the external. We can look great on the outside. We can give the money. We can turn up at church. We can do lots of things on the outside. But God wants the heart. It's as though Saul says, well, it would be just a great pity to destroy these beautiful, beautiful sheep and these beautiful lambs. Let's find a way around this. I know the way around it. We'll just say that um, we'll put it through as sacrifices. And we'll just say, well, it's for God's glory. And it's kind of like a money laundering technique. They pulled a Swifty on God. Do you know many times in the prophets, for example, in Amos, God says... I despise your feasts. I despise your sacrifices. I despise your celebrations because it's just external and I don't have your heart. I don't have your life. I don't have you. I despise it. God wants a heart that delights in God. A heart that says, actually, Lord, with my life, I want you to be delighted. You see, we can have a heart that says, actually, I'm delighted in the world. I'm delighted in the pleasures of this world. I want to please the other people. I want to please the soldiers. I want to please that. And that's, that's what I really want. And I'll just sort of duck and weave around God and I'll get what I, what I want. And God is saying, I'm after someone that has a heart that delights in me. We can be like Saul. We, um, we can be really happy that we think our life before God, he must be so pleased with me. I'm looking really good. I'm coming to church. I'm putting a little bit of money in the offering. I reckon God must be pretty pleased with my sacrifices that I'm making to him. Um, everything is fine. Uh, in fact, um, I think I'm going over and beyond my call of duty. I think I must get a pretty good stamp of approval from God. But hidden in our hearts, we're self-deceived. It can be that we're self-deceived. And hidden in our heart is rebellion. And we're actually, it's all about us. We're doing whatever we like, hoping that we can somehow manipulate God and get him to say, well done. But he's not deceived. God is looking for a heart that trusts him. Think of the Lord's Prayer. Do you know, I was thinking of that this morning. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your kingdom, Lord, not my kingdom. So much I want to build my kingdom. I want it to be all about my kingdom, about my safety, about my pleasures, about my glory, about my... No, no, your kingdom come. My heart is to be your kingdom come, your will to be done on earth as in, as in heaven. Do you know when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he had... I just think, do you remember when, when, when Satan came to Jesus... And he says to Jesus, hey, Jesus, all the kingdoms of the world have been given to me. All you've got to do is bow down before me and I'll give them to you. 
Would Jesus pounce on the plunder? Would he say, yes, yes, I'm just, just, Jesus, just bow down before me. And Jesus says, no way. My heart, my delight is in God, not in the plunder. My heart is in obedience to God. The Pharisees loved outward appearances. They just loved it. They loved to dress up. They loved to pray loud. They loved for everyone to see how religious they were. Do you know, you might say, well, God, David, you're a pastor. God must be pretty pleased with you. You look at all the sacrifices you make. God must be going to give you a really good pat on the back and a free ticket into heaven. And you are crazy if you think like that. If you think my ministry is this or my ministry is that... You are crazy. God wants your heart. He wants your life. Our highest desire. God wanted Saul at that moment to say, my highest desire is not for the things. It's not for the goodies. My highest delight is in the God himself. To serve and follow him. This is my last point. Salvation does not come from the sacrifices that we make from God, for God, but for the sacrifice, from the sacrifices that He has made for us. Look, listen. Our salvation does not come from the sacrifices that we make for God but from the sacrifice that he, we, he made for us. Jesus goes to the cross and he suffers and dies on the cross. Not my will, but yours be done. Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. Do you know what? I need a changed nature. I need a changed heart. Otherwise, I love all the wrong things. <laughs> I, I, I love all the... I don't even love the right things. I can't by nature. But when Christ died for me and he came and gave me a different heart, he gave me a heart that wants to love him. And same with you or if you're a believer. This is a test to see whether you are born again, got a new nature, whether the thing that you love, the thing that you treasure... The thing that you delight in is God, his will, his glory, his name. When Jesus rose again, um, he's risen to new life. And do you know that the call that's on each of our lives is, if anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. It's a huge call. A huge call. If anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. He's not wanting us to have a system of religion. He doesn't want the outside, external, so that it looks great on the outside. He wants us to follow. He wants us to trust. He wants us um, to love him. Let me pray. Lord, Uh, 
it is a fearful thing to get rejected by you and for us to be totally, totally, totally deceived, thinking that we're just going great when we're not. And Lord, I'm asking for each one of us that you would somehow open the eyes of our hearts, that we would know um, that you are God and that you would give us a heart that trusts you and loves to obey you and obedience of faith, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.